Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Oh, yes, indeed, ladies and gentlemen. It is Arthur Motes and Wesley Euler coming back to you. Second segment of today's episode, which even though we're in a new studio, it is still the same thing, baby. Ah. Podcast format, the way we like to rock out. And for those that, you know, are in the podcast world, mm-hmm. you got your little podcast apps, ah, whichever podcast app you like to mm-hmm. use, just make sure you're downloading and subscribing to this one. We are everywhere now. This episode, this show, which is called Steelers Blitz, and that is Blitz with a Z. Like Zlatan. Oh, are we doing this like zinc? Like Zamboni? Like zebra? Like Zika? Ooh. As in Zika virus? Like zucchini? Son of a, that was my next one. Like Zinfandel? Uh, like zero? Oh, uh, crap. That's the easiest. How have we never pulled that one out before? All right. <laughs> I surrender. I, I I surrender. He's off for the count. I concede. I concede. I can't beat zero. Two. I can't. How did it? How did it take us that long to come up with zero? Are you just been sitting on that one for a while, haven't you? Like, oh yeah. Next time Wes comes in here, he's trying like, oh, me. Well, let's go. Let's go. That's hilarious. That's a good. That's a good one. I felt. I felt good. I did, I needed a dub in the new building, so I got me one. I feel good. But with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, we are about to dive into this performance, man. 26-14, Steelers got it done. Um, and it did it in a very just team, team way, if we're being real about it, right? Yes. Because um, in terms of the ebb and flow of the game, we did have moments where I felt like we were always in control. But at the Agreed. same time, I never felt like we put them away. Agree. That's a great way to put it. Because they were always within striking distance even when it appeared that their uh the Browns offense could not do anything they still would find themselves within a field goal within six points mm-hmm. and just make it interesting because as we know in the NFL all it takes is one mistake and now it's a ball game as long as it's a one possession game it's always a ball game absolutely. no matter how much one team's dominating or carrying the play absolutely man but um you know before we really dive into you know the Ben's performance and the receiving stuff like that. How about the young cat, Najee Harris? Ooh. 28 carries, 188 Ooh. yards, 6.7 per tote, tidy, and a long of 37, which obviously housed at the end to seal the deal. Ooh. I just got to say this, man. Watching him play, when I was in the stadium, it did not feel like he was having this type of game. It felt like he was getting, you know, three yards a pop, but it just felt like the consistent slow bleed. Sure. And it was like, man, you know, with the slow bleeds, you you, you don't feel like a guy's just dominating. And then you look up at the end of the court, you're like, me, are you at 80 yards in the first half? Like, what's going on here? <laughs> Wait a second. And you just keep watching, keep watching. That's keep 80 watching. big ones. And it's like, man, but the toughness, the vision, the burst, and we can't forget the stiff one. Whew. To me, man, that that was very... Derrick Henry-esque, if I dare say so yeah, myself. Yeah, that was a very, very impressive performance by Najee from my perspective, man. But for you, since you had that TV cop, man, what was it looking like on, oh, on your end, man, when you're buddy. seeing this thing go off? Fantastic. And you know what? I can't wait to tell you about some of the things I saw on TV with TJ Watt when we get there in a moment. Don't let me forget about that. You ready for this take? You want to know what I was thinking throughout Let's that? Hear it. Throughout Throughout that, you know, three hours on Monday night is Najee Harris is having that performance. That was, I think, that was a passing of the torch type game. 
I mean, Motsi, you were part of it. You you remember the identity of, of the Steelers' offense for a long time has been Ben Roethlisberger. Mm-hmm. The playmakers around him, right? Yeah. I mean, guys like A.B. and Deontay and Juju and Lev Bell, right? And we know that list. I don't have to go through the laundry list of, of talented playmakers that we've had here in Pittsburgh. But the identity was always Ben Roethlisberger. Mm-hmm. Um, the offense was run through him. You knew that he was going to give you a chance in every single game. As is, like that wasn't unique to the Steelers. That's how it is for pretty much every team that has right. a franchise Hall of Fame caliber quarterback. That guy is the and and what he does well is the identity of your offense. It feels like that that torch was passed. That baton was handed off on Monday night, and that it's it's Najee Harris's offense now. And I know that that's hard to put on a running back, particularly one that is just finishing up his rookie year. But, man, if they can just – what's the word I'm looking for here? Revamp that offensive line a little bit this offseason. Mm-hmm. Man, it feels like Najee is ready to roll. He's ready to shoulder that load. You're still going to need a quarterback. You're still going to need to be able to make plays through the air. But I felt a real mm-hmm. passing of the torch in in regards to Ben being – you know, this has been his offense for so long. Hey, Najee, it's going to be your offense next year. And I think that was a little taste of that on Monday night. Well, I hope, is that too extreme? I hope that your optimism is accurate. I personally think that's a little overreacting. Okay, okay, just hey, because huh. the moment. But no, no, it's. But the reason I say that is because you know me. I'm always a slow you to are. the top one. And I'm that the guy. I'm, I'm the fan. Yeah, I'm the yeah. yeah. I didn't play in the NFL. I'm a little more hyperbolic, right? Over because here. like when I hear man, it was the changing of the guard, and you know Ben was cool with you know turn it over to Najee. I like that until I see, I mean, in the first half, my man Ben had like 30 attempts. True. I'm like, that doesn't scream changing of the guard. That screams, (laughs) I'm going to show you I can still do it. Kobe. (laughs) He had 34 because he was on pace for 68 at halftime. He ended obviously with 46 attempts, but that was the thing for me. Which is funny too because it doesn't if you would have told me he only threw the ball twice in the second half, it felt like more than that. It felt way more than that. But that was why for me, I'm like, I get the change of the guard because of how it ended. Especially like that that nice run that Najee broke off to end the game. I mean, it just feels like the stamp. It feels like oh yeah, and this that's is probably part of my moment. my overreaction right. as well too. But I'm like, man, watching the Florida game, they. I mean, if it if they could have had more success throwing the ball, I think that's what they would have wanted to keep doing. Sure, that's sure. my only thing. Whereas, like I said, I hope though going forward that we do play through Najee because as we've been saying all year, the offense is way more effective when he is the focal point. When you run the ball with him, when you get him the ball out the backfield as a receiver as well, it just wears on opponents. It makes them get tired. It makes little DBs and safeties not want to hit for four quarters when you got to hit that big man. <laughs> I mean, that's the truth of it. You know, you watch the, the 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 run at the end of the game. It's like, man, all I kept saying to myself was, this is how it happens. This is usually when you pop one. You know, you just got to stick with it. One, two, three. Mm-hmm. And then it's where you one going to spit because somebody's it, not going to want to hit you. It takes a lot of two and three yard runs yes, to, yes. To, to bust a, a 30, 40, 50, 60 yard run. And that was the thing. And it was like, man, when it hit, it hit and it was beautiful and everybody had that feeling. But that's my only concern. I'm just like, I feel like the ending just put a little bit yeah, more no, frost in the spray. It, it listen, decorated that's not a, lot a concern. More. That, <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it was a basic cupcake. And then it was like, you know what? Let's put some. Let's you put know what some it was? Frosting. You ready for this? It, it, it was a confetti. It was like you go to the coffee shop uh-huh. and you order a, a fancy. You know, you, you get like a you get like a latte, a latte or you yeah. get an americano or something fancy. 
And not only is the coffee delicious, yes. but they put like a heart or a yes. four-leaf clover or some kind of logo in the you're phone. Like, you're like, whoa. Najee Harris, his performance was a good latte, but that last run, yes. that was yes. the little like, that was the kiss, the heart, the star, the clover, Absolutely. and the heart on top of the latte. Absolutely. Absolutely. But yeah, going for it, man. Um, and this is the other reason also why I said I still don't necessarily I'm not ready to jump to say that it is Najee's offense and we're gonna play through him because of two things. We know we're gonna have two changes, at least one for certain in terms of the quarterback, but we still also gotta see what they do with Matt Canada along with this offensive line. Now the unit that was out there yesterday, I or, or Monday, I thought played really well. But when you're talking about the members that were out there, mm-hmm. how committed are you to those guys? Because we've talked about how Kendrick Green has been the guy that the Steelers have continued to put out there, and he has struggled. It's sometimes really bad. And Monday's game, it was J.C. Hassenauer, a guy that's been on the roster, a guy that we've both talked about before Kendrick was drafted and saying that, hey, man, he probably should get an opportunity as well just because he's played and started multiple games for us and has played well. He was the guy who got the nod, and we saw what the offense line looked like. Also at left guard, it wasn't Kevin Dotson. That's the guy that everybody's high on. That's the guy that was drafted mm-hmm. here, the guy that, you know, for whatever reason this offseason had his ups and downs. But John LeGlue was a guy out there, and he played at a high level as well. And that's the part for me where I'm like, I think it's a lot of other moving pieces. That, you know, get, that's a great point by you. Get, you know, settled first before we even know the identity of this team because if they don't improve this unit or they say, you know what, these are our guys and they continue to be stubborn about it. Sure, sure. Then, yeah, Najee's not going to last behind that for a whole mm. other season and then you take away the quarterback. Like, mm, that, It's a great point by you. That, it's a fantastic point by you. It really is. So that's the part for me where I'm just still a little bit more it, pessimistic about it, it right now. It would be one thing if the run game looked like that. Yes. And Kendrick Green and Kevin Dotson were leading the way. Absolutely. Because we know that yep. this team believes in those guys. Right, wrong, or indifferent for whatever reason. Now, well, some a, people might point to being draft picks. Right. A lot I of people out there saying, and this is, the, you know, the Captain yeah. Hindsight thing that is easy to yeah. get caught up in. A lot of people out there saying, oh, Steelers would be in the playoffs if they just started Hour instead of uh, Green the whole season. We know how that goes. It's, it's, it's different. It's, it's easy not to that do that off of one game right. sample size. It is yeah. not that cut but and dry. But I also understand why fans, if if you're sitting there thinking, hmm, maybe Hour was the better option and they stuck with Green because he was the top 100 draft pick, mm-hmm. that I think is fair to at least at least ponder. But Because you've told us how that yeah, works Because I talk about that. We obviously we know with Dotson and his uh, situations stuff that he was uh, dealing with, well, mm-hmm. to an extent this uh, offseason and stuff like that. Right. But for the same thing that we're going to say about Kendrick Green, can't similar things be said about Devin Bush and this linebacker? Hundred percent. Because we saw what Robert Spillane looked like. We know Spillane is going to struggle in coverage, but what do we know? He is, is great Spillane, against the run. Spillane has a defining characteristic. He struggles against the. I mean, Robert Spillane, Arthur Motes is McDonald's. McDonald's is the same you in Pennsylvania. Exactly what it's you're the getting. same in Hawaii. It's you the same in exactly Japan. It's the same. Get. Well, you know, in in England. They have a like a a, a Tex a Texan bacon burger and barbecue sauce on it. You know what the number one is though? Big Mac. Absolutely, and that doesn't matter where you go. Hawaii, Pennsylvania, Florida, it Canada, where, the, number the UK, one will always Asia, be the Big Mac. Robert Spillane is man. He, he he is what he is. He is great against the run and he struggles against the pass. You know, it's a funny thing that you said that analogy. That was one of the things that I first heard when I got here in fourteen from Coach T, and he was like, "Man, Moats, you want to be like the number one." I was like, what you mean the number one? He was like, just think about the Big Mac. He was like, you played in Buffalo? What's the number one up there? I was like, Big Mac. So like, you played in Canada, right? I was like, yeah. What's the number one up there? I was like, it's the Big Mac. He's like, man, you, you, you 
traveled out the country. What's the number one over there? It's like, it's the Big, it's the Big Mac. Mac. They might like, pronounce it differently. But. He was like, you see how consistent that is? You see how you know what you're getting every single time, regardless of the location, regardless of who you're with? He was like, that's what your play needs to be like. And that was something that I always would try to hold true to myself. Like, man, I want to be the number one. I want to be the Big Mac. And you're right with, uh, with Spillane. Yes, it is very clear. You know exactly what you're getting. To me, he reminds me of what Vince Williams was later in his career. We knew Vince is going to come downhill in the run, and he's going to rush the passer like a son of a gun. And we were fine with mm-hmm. that. We knew if he got encouraged, he's going to struggle. Yep. It is what it is. Just get him down. No smoke and mirrors with Vince. Just, just let him so, thump. So when you watch Spillane, it's like, man, so you knew this was Spillane, but you know he could do this great. He can mm-hmm. excel in this area. Mm-hmm. And we can know, if we know this is your weakness, well, now we can formulate a plan to account for that, Absolutely. to mask it a little Absolutely. bit. But when we talk about Bush, we don't know what his defining characteristic is. The When I ask what's his defining characteristic, you know people say he's fast and he had a good rookie season. Well, fast is not a defining characteristic. No, it's a skill set. It's, but skill, it's, yeah, it's a skill, but Gilbert it's... is fast. I mean, it's plenty of guys that are fast. You're saying Bolt's fast. Just, Justin Lane is fast. But it's a difference between, you know, a skill and a guy being able to actually yeah. be productive yeah, for sure. and play at a high level or have that defining characteristic. So when we're talking about those things and some of the decisions that this team has made or not made, those are some of the instances where people continue to ask questions, where people continue to look. And that's why, for me, it's hard to just mm. say, man. Yeah, no, it's, because it's a fair point. I named those two guys, but you know the third guy? How about a Keller Witherspoon? So these past now three that's weeks, a decision. So, no, no, but think about this, right? Before we even get to the, because I want to talk about him in the last segment, right? But before we get to him and the contract and would you resign him or not, just think about this. Past three weeks, he's accounted for realistically two, three, four interceptions because the one in Kansas City got called back because uh, Cam Hill was offsides. So he had two Minnesota, should have had the regular one in Kansas City, and he had one obviously versus Baltimore. I mean versus uh, Cleveland. Just think though. Prior to that, he wasn't even dressing. He wasn't getting a helmet. And you're asking yourself, like, well, why were you putting these guys out here? Why why were those guys continuing to get these opportunities? So like, when we talk about this team as a whole, and man, would this decision have been differently and would that have equated to more wins? I do think if we're talking, you know, the whole spectrum, yes. But at the same time, I don't think it's realistic sure, to expect sure. the team to have made those moves because at the NFL level or just even high-end college, those are the politics that come with sports. When you hear guys, you hear me talk politics, that's what we're referring to where even though we can all see that, hey, this guy gives the team the best chance to win, not this guy. But the politics say, hey, we drafted this guy at X spot, so we are obligated to do that because otherwise we look like we messed up. We look like we don't know what we're doing. You think maybe that's why the uh, Browns only gave the ball to Nick Chubb three times? Mm, strong In the first half? Or first quarter? Was it first half or first for, quarter? I thought it was first half. For Nick Chubb to have 12 carries in that game, it's ridiculous. It, for for what's clearly been, and listen, anybody who's listened to this show for longer than a fart, okay, you know my, yeah. I don't know, where did I get that? I think that's a Crowleyism. Longer Anytime than a, I hear that, I just think of uh, Randy Feekner, him and his the, skillets. Longer than the time it takes you to get through the drive through line and get a number one at McDonald's. How about that? Hey, hey, hey. You know my feelings on Baker Mayfield, all right? I'm a Big 12 guy, WVU fan. I don't like Oklahoma. Didn't like Baker Mayfield when he was in college. Obviously didn't like him when he went to the Cleveland Browns in division against my Steelers. 
He's clearly not been right this the, for the majority of this season. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people. I mean, now he's even having surgery because he tried to play through it. And I, I think you could very easily argue that they probably should have shut him down, and it probably should have been Case Keenum a mm-hmm. couple months ago. It's because he's the first overall pick, and they have to prove that it was the mm-hmm. right selection, and he's the guy, and he's the franchise quarterback. No, the politics of football are a very real thing, and not not only here in Pittsburgh. Yeah, you it happens s- everywhere. I think you've seen man. it all year with the Browns. Yeah, one hundred percent, man, and. You know, you just hope that your organizations are able to find that balance, you know, where you're giving these guys opportunities or they're actually hitting on these draft picks. That's the the, the best thing, but we know that that's not a surefire thing either. Sure. But when we get back to just the O-line, though, because I, I still want to mm-hmm. go back to mm-hmm. them, though, man, not just the individual performances by those guys, but what about Chris Morgan as well, man? That's cool. not an easy thing to do. You step in Simo. the week after – Adrian Clem takes the job in Oregon, abruptly leaves. Um, obviously, it was agreed upon with him and Coach Simon that he should leave right then. But that's not easy to do. You're talking about having two new starters out there, a whole new position coach, mm-hmm. and you're just taking this thing on the fly on the heels of Ben making his uh, pseudo-announcement that, hey, this could potentially be all signs are pointing to it being his last one. That's not easy to do. No, not at all. And we saw how those guys responded. I mean, it wasn't perfect by no stretch of the imagination. But the effort was never questioned. The finish was never questioned. The 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 overall, just that mentality of I want to put my face mask through your face. Mm-hmm. Like, not through your face mask, through your face. AFC that, North football. That is what I was feeling when I'm watching these guys. And I'm like, man, I love it. Now, we know Clowney had a heat. He, Clowney was doing his thing. Miles Garrett, he had his moments. I was going to say, can we give a, can we give a, uh, can we give yeah. a round of applause? Dan Moore Jr., for as much as he yeah. got left on an island mm-hmm. with Miles Garrett, I mean, again, it wasn't perfect. Right. But, man, he did, ta- he did his job. You'll take that 10 times out of 10. No, absolutely, man. Absolutely. And for me, man, seeing those guys respond like that, to me, that does go back to Chris Morgan because for him, he could have easily came in here and just said, you know what, I'm just holding a spot for whoever they want to, you know, give the job to next year because, hey, we don't want you to promote from within anymore. So, you know, with that being the case, I don't even qualify for this opportunity. I mean, he could easily come out there with that energy, right? Mm-hmm. Because Absolutely. as soon as he got the opportunity to even, you know, have an on-the-job interview, what did everybody say? Oh, still is promote from within again. Oh, they're going to cheat right cheat again. Stars. Oh, man, here we go. So you know how it goes. You're danged if you do. You're danged if you don't. Yes. But for him, you can see his professionalism on display. We talked about how qualified he was. We said, man, if we're being real about it, he was probably way more qualified for the position that Adrian Clem was just based on the fact that he's coached the line in the NFL, Super Bowl contending teams as well. So when you think of that, it was like, man, it was just good to see his professionalism. It was good to see that he was able to convey his message and get it delivered in a way that the guys could receive it and ultimately implement it and use it to their advantage. And we can't take that for granted, you know? If this is his last game here, right, as offensive line coach, if that is the case, man, at least I can say he did well. Thanks. You know, we definitely appreciate it because we were questioning. What did we say last week when the the announcement was made? We said, man. What can you really do in two weeks? And and, and I I told you, I said, man, I kind of feel like he's at a disadvantage because I don't think he has the personnel that's going to allot him the ability to even be a Mike Munchak if that is in his wheelhouse. Mm. But, man. <laughs> it, it, it was fantastic to see. Like, it, it really was. And I think you're right. He was in a he was in a damned if you do, damned if you don't type situation. But talk about making the best out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, because you're right, too. It, it wasn't just like he was working with the same five guys. Like, there was 
they had J.C. Hassenauer was out there. LeGlue was out there. Like, there was a, a lot of people involved in that equation. They had some guys on the offensive line that were on the COVID list that weren't available. Um, yeah, the offensive line, you know, there was a lot. There's a lot of storylines. Mozi, honestly, you and I could probably sit here for like the next three hours without taking a break and just be like, there's so much. We still really haven't talked much. We still haven't talked about TJ Watt's performance. You know what I mean? Like, there's a lot to get and, and to not, there. And not just TJ Watt. Uh, you mean AFC Defense Player of the Week, TJ Watt? Yeah. And just, uh, if know. he's not Defensive Player in the Year, we all grab our torches and our pitchforks and we yeah. riot. Well, and I, one we're sack, talk about that one too, sack away from Michael Strahan, TJ Watt. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, there's a lot of. Corliss Waitman deserves some credit for us. You talk about varsity punting in some tough situation. There's a lot of storylines from that game Monday night, but obviously Ben Roethlisberger is one. I think Najee Harris is probably two, but Ooh, I, man, I think the offense maybe it's TJ, I'll but the offensive line, the offensive line is right is 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 right there in yeah. that conversation. Like there was a lot of good. It wasn't perfect. It wasn't a Mona Lisa, right? It wasn't the 16th chapel. Maybe it was like the 13th or the 14th yeah. chapel, but, but it wasn't think, the 16th though, if one. If every painting is a Mona Lisa, the Mona Lisa doesn't matter anymore. Just remember that, man. If every game your franchise quarterback's taking a victory lap around the stadium, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter anymore. Yeah. Yeah, no. Simo deserves uh, deserves his praise uh, today, this week. Uh, I'm I'm glad you brought that up for sure. No, absolutely, man, absolutely. And I mean, shoot, since you brought his name up, I do want to talk about him for a second. Corliss mm-hmm. Waitman. Yeah. Now, Dude. first off, varsity punt, top notch. I mean, even on his bad punt, it was still varsity. That was that was impressive. Mm-hmm. I definitely like the ball placement, the hang time, the distance as well. But I also want to talk about the mental for him. Because mentally, this is not an easy situation. We all in Pittsburgh know exactly how he got this opportunity. It was because, you know, Presley Harvin's father passed away, mm-hmm. and he had to take time to step away from that. That's not easy to step in. When you know, man, this is the guy, this is the draft pick, and I'm coming in here behind him because of his father. Right. And then you're like, man, he was struggling at the time. We talked about Presley. It mm-hmm. wasn't like he was playing at a high level. Mm-hmm. So now you come in and you got to deal with that emotional roller coaster of, okay, I'm playing well, but am I, you know, stepping on a toe? Am I doing too much? You know, can I be excited about this or do I got to keep it doled down? Like, that's that's the reality. Can I be smiley and happy go lucky in the locker room or do I need to kind of, you know, put my head down? In full transparency, I still feel awkward when we even compliment him because it's like, man, I'm complimenting him, but we know why he's getting this opportunity and you don't want to take away from Presley and, you know, what he's meant, sure, and we or know, just downplay you know, yeah, what, he's, just going what he's going through, right? Yeah. So it's a unique situation, him and Danny Smith as well. But seeing how he's been able to respond in these moments, mm-hmm. two consecutive weeks, two consecutive big games. I mean, granted, Kansas City didn't work out the way we wanted it to, but that was still a significant game. That was still one that we needed to have in the moment. And Corliss came in, he did his job, right? Had two nice punts in there. So for me, man, I do feel good about him if he is going to have to be the guy for a little bit longer because we don't know how guys are going to respond sure. when it's grieving. We just – you never know. You never know. You never know. Especially, like, let's, let's not forget, too, I mean, Presley Harvin's still at that age. Like, he's just out of college. Bro, I don't care how old you are. You never – But you're right. You, it's, your, it's your father. It's you, your father. You're absolutely right. West. But it, still – You could be 40. You could be 50. You're absolutely it's right. Your father. But you I, think, I think just – 
you know, you go from co- you've talked about yeah. the whirlwind that is your rookie season. Mm-hmm. You go from college to your bowl game to the combine to the draft to rookie mini camp to OTAs to mini camp to the, it oh, never oh, stops. Sprinkle the pandemic in there too. Sprinkle still the sprinkle on, the pandemic for 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 a twenty three year old. I think he is to to all that and your father. That's that's a lot. Yeah. You're that, right. That when is, your father passes something. away, it doesn't matter if you're yeah. if you're ten or if you're a hundred. Right. It's just, it, so but yeah. but for for him to have all that going on in his rookie year, being such a young man, that that's a lot to go through. Yeah, it definitely is, man. It definitely is. And that's what we continue to keep him in our thoughts and our prayers and stuff yeah, like sure. that. And I do like how the team has continued to support him and give him his time that he yes. needs. Yes, and how Mike Tomlin brought his dad out to, yeah. the, to the game a week before he passed away. I thought that was great. And and speaking of which, too, um, our thoughts and our prayers are with Max Starks. Yes, um, yes, as yes. I'm sure you guys heard on, on in the locker room show, that's why Tom Opperman was in with Wolf today. Uh, but Max's father passed away this week as well, too. So all the best to the Starks family. No, man, definitely, definitely. That's, like I said, that's, that's tough. It doesn't matter how old you are man if you we talk about losing parents man that's just the nature of it right mm-hmm. i mean it's it's it hurts and i could never imagine i don't even want to pretend to imagine that because woof, it's just, yeah i yeah. i don't know what i'd do without my parents yeah man. i'd be lost for sure and i know you've got a really close relationship with yours as well too it's yeah all, all the best of those guys going through that for sure but on a little bit of a lighter note, yes you know on a lighter note here look at us getting serious there for a minute Every once in a while we hey, get we, serious. we do that from time to time. On occasion. That's get, the duality of it's man. It's like we get serious twice a year and we're going to fuss twice a year. We only, we only fuss that, in the we're just goofballs. Yeah, we only fuss in the offseason, though, when we start doing these lists. <laughs> Who's the better quarterback? Oh, Brian, our fearless leader, <laughs> our fearless leader, Brian, said that he wants us to do a segment this offseason where we do top 10 most handsome Steelers. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> Is Tom Brady here yet? All right, just check. Because we were talking about getting to the offseason, yeah. and, and, you know, Moats and I will be doing Monday, Wednesday, Fridays yeah. during the offseason, those, those three days a week. And Brian was like, I can't wait to listen to your guys' top 10 debates again. He was like, You should do most handsome Steelers. He's like, that'd be a good one. You know how we're going to go at it? Always. But it's fun, though, man. That's the thing I love about it, man. That's the, the, the duality of us. The duality of us, man. Yes, indeed. But we will be going to break real quick for our final uh, segment. But when we get back, though, man, we got to talk about TJ Watt. Has he officially hmm. locked up the Defensive Player of the Year award? He better. Or is there still a little bit of room left for those guys in Dallas? Either way, let us know your thoughts on T.J. Watt's performance. Continue to let us know your thoughts on Big Ben's final, you know, send-off from mm-hmm. Hinesville. And, uh, yeah, do it on the Twitter.com, at TheBody52. TheBody. At Wesley Euler. The good hair. And when we get back from break, we will read those off. And this is Moats and Euler on SNR. <laughs> 